0: Okay, we're in uh, Jonah 4 tonight, Jonah chapter 4, dealing with our disappointments and learning God's mercy. Dealing with our disappointments and learning God's mercy. Now, Lord willing, we'll close out the series tonight on the book of Jonah, and I'm going to ask three volunteers to do something before I read chapter 4. Uh, Someone read Acts chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. Who would do that? Acts chapter 11, 1 through 4. Uh, Hold on to that one for a moment. And then uh, someone else find Luke 15. Luke 15. And I want you to read... One through seven. Luke 15, one through seven. Who would do that? I'll do that one. Okay. Luke 15, one through seven. And then one last one. Romans 9, one through three. Who would do that one? Okay. Back here. Good. Uh, Romans 9, one through three. So listen up to these passages very carefully, and just how you will hear things that will tie in with the book of Jonah and with chapter 4 in particular. So, Acts 11. 1 to to 4. Now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him, saying, he went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. But Peter began and explained it to them in order. Okay. They were mad at Peter because he went to Gentiles. Okay. Uh, Luke 15, 1-7. Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes were to say, This man received the sinners and eateth with them. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in wilderness, and go after that which is lost, until he find it? And when he found it, he layeth it on his shoulder, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he called together his friends and neighbors, saying unto him, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that depend more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no changes. Okay. And now Romans 9. I speak the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience testifies to me through the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart, for I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the benefit of my brothers and sisters, my own flesh and blood. Okay. Now, Jonah, thank you to those who read. Jonah, and I'm actually going to read verse 10 of chapter 3 and then go into chapter 4. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said? When I was yet in my country, that is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Do you do well to be angry? Well, again, hopefully tonight we will be able to close out the book of Jonah. Thank you. Thank you. You know, when the book opened, what did we notice there? We noticed Jonah doing what? What action was he doing? Running from God. God's call came to Jonah in a very clear way. And he ran. Now folks, I know we're critical of Jonah. But stop and ask yourself a question. Have you always obeyed God? When God's put something on your heart to do, have you always done it? So, you know, we need to remember that. Then what do we see next? We saw God's discipline of John, And we saw the truth or the lesson that God disciplines his children. He does this not because he hates us, but because he loves us. And he's trying to call us back into fellowship with him. We also saw how our sin can impact others. Jonah's disobedience to God almost cost the lives of the pagan sailors on board the ship with Jonah. And it sort of reiterates for us that no man is an island unto himself. That's a lesson we oftentimes need to learn. Our actions impact others. We also learned how we can have all the right theology as Jonah did and we can ignore it. We can have all the right belief systems, all the right doctrines, and then just not live it out. Now, one of the great lessons we saw earlier was how God's dealings with his children can sometimes cause the lost to get saved. Remember those sailors? When the sea calmed down after they threw, threw Jonah in, what they start doing? They started calling on the name of Jonah's God and turning to Jonah's God instead of to their pagan false gods. And then we learned how God deals with us when we hit rock bottom. And after we hit rock bottom, then we turn to God in humility and repentance. Jonah got a second chance, which shows us how abounding the mercy and grace of God is. Jonah didn't deserve a second chance, neither do we, but he got a second chance. But a big lesson we also saw early on was what? Yet another thing, how God's calling is irrevocable. Jonah still had to obey God. God gave him a second chance, but that did not relieve him of the calling upon his life. And as Jonah obeyed, we saw the love of God on display with the wicked Ninevites. They repented, and God spared them. Now, one of the greatest lessons of all in the Bible is when people turn to God. He notices that. What's the scripture say? The scripture says, draw near to God. In the book of James, draw near to God and God will do what? Draw near to you. Number of times in the Bible, we see when God promises destruction and people relented, God did not bring on them the destruction that he had promised. And that tells us what? There's tremendous hope for those who turn to the Lord. Now, that really brings us to the topic we're going to deal with tonight. And uh, that would be of God's mercy. Uh, we see God's mercy on display all throughout the book of Jonah. In fact, Jonah's not the main character in the book. The Ninevites are not the main character. The whale or the great fish is not the main character. God is the main character. And the greatest miracle of all is God's mercy and God's love and compassion for a wicked people, the Ninevites. So we see that God was merciful with the sailors. They didn't die. Uh, God was merciful with Jonah spared him, prepared a great fish to swallow him. He was safe there until that fish spit him out after he uh, humbled himself before the Lord. And God was merciful with the Ninevites. So all through the book of Jonah, we see God's overwhelming mercy. And what we're going to see tonight also is how, because of this, because God is merciful What type of heart do you and I need to have? A merciful heart. Those who know the Lord, those attributes of God that are communicable, those attributes that He shares with us, we need to emulate God in those. Things like His mercy. So we're going to see that there's a need for us to have the heart of God. Okay, the first thing I want you to notice with me tonight, the temptation toward unjust anger and or disappointment. If this book had ended at the close of chapter three, you know what? Jonah would go down in history as one of the Bible's greatest prophets. After all, the entire city of Nineveh turned to the Lord from the king down turned to the Lord, and they repented. And so Jonah would have definitely gone down in history as one of the most effective, one of the greatest heroes of all among believers. He would have probably shown up in Hebrews chapter 11, that roll call of heroes, heroes of the faith. But Jonah's got an attitude. He's only thinking of who? Himself. Look at what he says in verse 3. What's he say there in verse 3? It is better for me to die than to live. It's better for me Who's he thinking of? Thinking of himself. That's Jonah's problem. He's focused on himself. Folks, if you go through life bordered on the north, the south, the east, and west by yourself, if you're bordered by yourself on all sides, you're going to have a lot of disappointments and resentment in life. Jonah is angry. Notice why he's so angry. He wanted things his way. But instead, God has used him and given him success in reaching a people group that Jonah didn't want to be saved. These were none other than the Ninevites, the feared and dreaded Assyrians. Nineveh was their capital city, modern-day Mosul in Iraq. From, from uh, Nelson's Illustrated Bible Dictionary, it, it says that the favorite pursuits of the Assyrian kings were war and hunting. goes on to say archaeologists have discovered that the Assyrians were a merciless and savage people. The Assyrian army was ruthless and highly affected. Its cruelty included burning cities, burning children, impaling victims on stakes, beheading, and chopping off of the hands and limbs. Because of the cruelty and paganism of the Assyrians, the Bible dictionary goes on to say the Hebrew people harbored a deep-seated hostility against the Assyrians. So again, they were a hated and a feared people. And Jonah didn't want to see them saved. But they turned to God. God has spared them. Again, something Jonah didn't want. Man, he wanted the judgment of God to fall on them, didn't he? God just strike them dead. Make them suffer. Bring punishment to them. What's the big issue here? The big issue here for you and I is what? For you and me. We need to have what? The mind of Christ. We need to have the mind of Christ. We get angry at God sometimes because we want something our way. God, why can't I marry that person who's an unbeliever? How dare you tell me? Not to be unequally yoked. How dare you tell me not to go into business with that unbeliever because that would be being unequally yoked too. God, who do you think you are? We get angry at God. Some people do get embittered at God because they want to do something their way and they don't like what God has to say about it in his word. The issue is When that happens, we don't have the mind of Christ. And how do we have the mind of Christ? Where do we get that? From the Bible. From God's Word. That's where we learn about God's heart, His mind, His mindset, His desires we need to desperately today in the church we need to look at the issues of life and society from the perspective of the scripture sometimes we're wanting God even to do something that in his word he tells us is not his will sometimes we have misdirected attitudes about the purposes of God And you know what? When people get angry at God, when they harbor resentment towards Him, they're bitter because He doesn't work the way they want Him to. They can, in turn, do what? They can display some pretty ungodly attitudes. Have you ever been angry with God? Have you ever been disappointed with God? Some people get angry with God if they have to go through trials they're hard on. Why am I having to go through this, God? Imagine being in Jonah's shoes. He hated the Ninevites. All the Hebrews did. But you know, he should have known from the Scriptures. He was a prophet of the Lord. should have known the Scriptures. He should have known from the Old Testament scriptures how God has a heart for the nations. God raised up Israel not just so they would enjoy all the blessings of God while everybody else didn't, but He raised them up to show His favor to them, yes, but so that in turn, as Isaiah said, that they would be a light to the nations, that the nations would be drawn to Jehovah God. Then we come to the New Testament. We find the Great Commission to go to all the world. So again, in the Scripture, we should learn the mind of God and the mind of Christ. Now as we think about Jonah not wanting the Ninevites saved, how about you? Do you have any enemies? Is there anybody that if it were your call God, if it's my preference, don't save that person. I hope there's not anybody you feel that way about. You know, sometimes we don't like somebody because how they act, but how do lost people who don't know God act? They act like lost people who don't know God. Jonah didn't like the Ninevites because they were the ruthless people of the day. They butchered people. They had no fear of God and no respect of human life. And have you noticed how those two go together? Usually when you find people that have no respect for God, what's the the flip side of that coin? They don't have any regard for people either. It's not surprising that those two are oftentimes seen together. Maybe you don't have anybody that you'd say, God, I, I would just assume that person might get saved. But you might know somebody. God, you're save them, but just keep them away from me. <laughs> but I hope that's not true either. Folks, we also tend to forget that we ourselves were once that lost person. Right? Again, what I'm saying, basic problem when we reflect attitudes like Jonah, basic problem is anytime we're resentful towards God, angry at God, bitter towards God because we don't like what He's doing or we don't like what He's called us to do, it's because we don't have the mind of Christ. And we start thinking only of ourselves. We don't think about the other person or other people and we don't stop and ask the question what does God want? What's God saying in his word? What's his will? And anytime we get in that pattern we're setting ourselves up for disappointment and anger. Well I want you to see secondly the dead end of that. The dead end nature of resentment Jonah's disappointment turns to resentment he resents God God I knew it God I said it all along you're a God of mercy a God of grace a God of compassion he points that out there At the beginning also, in verse 2, I believe it is. Yes, I knew that you're a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. God, I knew it. I knew if the Ninevites turned to you, you would forgive them. Have you ever been angry at God because he showed his kindness to you? No, of course not. We're never mad at God when God's been merciful and kind and long-suffering towards us. Have you ever noticed that? Oh, we're never mad at God for being kind to us. It's when he displays that towards somebody else. We don't like then We resent that. Look at look again at this great truth, though. It's repeated also in the book of Joel. Joel chapter 2. God is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. And that is something we can all be thankful for because if that statement right there were not true describing God, there would be no hope for any of us. You know, I think of the prodigal son in Luke 15 who came to his senses and came back home. And what did he find when he came back home to his father? His father ran to him. And he embraced him. Said, kill the fatty calf. Put, put a robe on him, sandals on his feet. Put the family ring back on him. This, my son, was dead, and he's alive again. Rejoice. Again, Jonah, resent, resentful. He's small minded. Jonah loves Jonah. He's not truly been concerned with God's mission, but with his own country and his own comfort zone. He's selfish, doesn't display the heart of God. Jonah would be like a pastor or a church who becomes angry if visitors started pouring into the church to hear the gospel. I've actually heard of a few cases where that happened in certain settings. People didn't like it. Especially if the visitors who started coming to that church started coming from the wrong area. I have literally heard of cases like that. I'll never forget King Klein. Any of y'all remember King Klein here? King Klein, a dear saint. Right after we moved into the sanctuary and just some of those early years, just tons of visitors, tons of new members every Sunday. He said, Pastor, I don't recognize anybody in this church anymore. And he went on to say, and I love it. (laughs) I love it that we're reaching people and I don't recognize half of our people anymore. What a great attitude. How about a Sunday school class that only has a vision for themselves? You know, that attitude, us for and no more. And they resent anything else or anybody else. Small mindedness. Jonah was like that. You should have left me alone in my country. I know how you are, God. I knew you would do something like this. And so, God, I'm ready to die. Now, isn't that interesting, folks? Earlier, he wanted to die rather than obey God when he told the soldiers to up, soldiers, the sailors to throw him overboard. Now, because God has used him mightily and he's been so successful as a prophet, that he wants God to take his life. Then, on top of that, there are people, on top of this attitude, some people try to punish God and others because. They don't get what they want. Sometimes when God doesn't act according to our expectations, people give up on God and give up on life. They just want to escape. Why do we do that? Because, again, we think we know better than God. Just like we need the mind of Christ to handle life's disappointments, we need to understand the sovereignty of God to curb our resentment. Do we really believe that God knows best and that God is in control? If we believe that, then we should understand that God's ways are higher than our ways and we're able to accept the good and the bad, put everything in His hands and wait on Him. God had reasons for calling Jonah. He had reasons for saving Jonah. He had reasons for saving the Ninevites. Jonah should have rejoiced in the purposes of God and the sovereignty of God. You know, somebody else I think of, Opposite of Jonah would be Joseph in the book of Genesis. He could have resented being in slavery in Egypt. I mean, you talk about a man full of disappointments in his life, but in the end, what did he say to his brothers? You meant it for evil, but God used it for good. He trusted in God's sovereignty. That God knows what He's doing even when we don't understand, even when we don't like it. God knows what He's doing. Now, think of this moment. A car has three different kinds of wheels, doesn't it? Steering wheel, then the four wheels on the car, and what other kind of wheel or tire? Spare. A spare tire, right? Instead of trusting God's plans, a lot of times we treat God like the third wheel, the spare. And we only take Him out when we have emergencies. But otherwise, we want to keep Him tucked away in the trunk like the spare wheel. And we'll cruise along doing things our way. Then if we need Him, we get out the spare tire. What kind of view of God is that? It's not a very good view, is it? But again, if we truly believe God's in charge, then even in disappointments of life, we'll be able to see the hand of God. Jonah had no cause for resentment. God had only worked according to God's nature. Now, look at the mistakes he made in his resentment. He quit. God, I'm done with this. I'm done. Do Christians ever act like that today? When things don't go their way? I'm done. If we don't quit, what do some do? Like John. I'm going to sit back and I'm just going to wait and see how this turns out. And you know what? I'm going to kind of secretly hope it turns out to be a disaster. That was Jonah. Well, thirdly, I want you to see the reality of God's compassion. Notice that even in Jonah's resentment and his pouting, God was compassionate again. What did he do for Jonah? Gave him the shade. Gave him the shade. Gave him the shade. (laughs) You know what? We're probably ready to say God just throw it back in the ocean and prepare another great fish to swallow it. But no, God ministers to Jonah, prepares him some shade. And notice that Jonah finally gets happy about something. Do you realize this is the first time in the book of Jonah that Jonah gets happy? The first time that he gets happy is because God gives him some shade. Seriously. It's the only time in the book of Jonah Jonah Jonah's happy. He's happy over a vine. Because what did the vine bring him? Some comfort and pleasure. God, you finally did something for me. Never mind that there was a bigger mission here. Never mind that great things have just taken place. A whole city turned to you. I've now got me a vine. When we're not right with God and don't understand the larger purposes of God, we value the wrong things. God valued the Ninevites. Those were people with living souls who would live somewhere for all eternity. And that's what mattered to God. But here Jonah was, he valued the vine. What do you value? Whatever you value says volumes about the type of person you are. But then again, God took away the vine for the purpose of a lesson. The vine was an object lesson. When God took it away, then Jonah grieves the death of the plant. He wouldn't have cared one iota about the death of the Ninevites. People with souls that are going to live forever somewhere. He didn't care one iota about them. He's just grieved that this plant without a soul has died. He's upside down in his values. He celebrates the wrong things and he grieves the loss of the wrong things. Folks, we ought to celebrate the arrival of the right things and grieve the loss of the right things, but we do just the opposite. Why is God doing all this with Jonah? God is exposing Jonah's pettiness. And we can have that too. We don't like the way something happens. We get angry with God. Then we get to church. Hey, that Sunday school class took our podium. Can you believe they did that? <laughs> Again, just pettiness. us. Have you noticed when God's people take their eyes off of God and God's mission for them and put their eyes on themselves, then they can become petty over the least little thing. Have you ever seen that? Folks, if we have our eyes on God's mission, I don't think we would sweat a lot of the small stuff we would put up with a lot, wouldn't we? What did God do in his compassion again for Jonah? Once again, he tries to get Jonah to understand that more important things were happening. He wanted Jonah to understand that life was not about him. It wasn't about this vine or this gourd. Here was a plant without a soul, grew up and perished in a night. Jonah's grieved over that, but here was a city with 120,000 small children in it who don't even have the moral capacity yet to understand their sin and their guilt. And again, Jonah would have been fine with them being wiped off the face of the earth. So what's God saying? Should not I have pity on Nineveh, that great city, in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle? Since Jonah had compassion for a plant, even if he can't muster compassion for the people, God's basically saying too, by the cattle, shouldn't you at least even care for the animals? I mean, you ought to care for the people. But you don't care for the people, you care for the plant. If you care for a plant, not people, can't you at least even care for the cattle? Again, God is exposing Jonah's pettiness and childishness while at the same time revealing his own heart and control Folks, several things I want you to listen to tonight. First of all, I I want you to pray in your life, in all of our lives, in the life of the church, that we would have the mind and the heart of Christ. The mind and the heart of Christ. Secondly, that we would think more about God's mission and God's purposes than our own comforts and desires. That we would think more about God's mission and God's purposes than our own comforts and desires. Scott, why didn't you pick him? to know what was sure well he's, he's really it's, it's also a message to the nation because Jonah is what a Hebrew and that's how they had become and God is really exposing the nation that they had not done what he had called them to do to be a light to the nations that they were were far too ready to sit back and bask in their own enjoyment of God and what God was doing for them and totally lose sight of the mission to the world. Instead of trying to reach their world, they grew to despise their world and didn't even want to be near them or come in contact with them. And so in raising up a prophet like this and dealing with him and all the lessons that God had for him, the Hebrew people should have seen themselves in this. Well, were they lessons for him or also for us? And us today. Certainly. And like I pointed out uh, with Acts, when he read Acts 11, when Peter, when God called Peter to go to the home of Cornelius, and he did so. When Peter got back among the circumcised, they jumped all over him for going to the uncircumcised. Yeah. And then I had I had Romans read because Paul, I mean, think of how opposite Jonah is from Paul. Once Paul got saved, what's Paul say about his people? I wish to God that I myself would be accursed if it would mean the salvation of my people. But that 120,000 they talk about, there are children. Yeah. It's believed that Nineveh probably had around 600,000 people in it. Okay, so again, pray that God would give us His heart, His mind, and pray that at the forefront of our minds would be God's mission and purposes above our comforts and desires. And then I want to ask somebody in here tonight, are you disappointed with God over something? And what I hope you would see is that God has purposes that maybe you don't understand. And you need to trust Him. He knows what He's doing. His ways are higher than our ways. People get disappointed with God and bitter and resentful towards God. And it's always an attitude that is misplaced. Because we're showing that we don't trust Him. And we think He should have done what we think He should have done. Like what's going on in Washington right now. The Lord's still in charge. Absolutely. I don't agree with any of the stuff that's going on. I don't agree with the Democrats, and I don't Anything else in closing? Again, Jonah is the most successful prophet in the Old Testament. As far as his mission, what it accomplished, most successful. Because they listened, they repent. The prince of the prophets, Isaiah, remember what God said to Isaiah? I'm appointing you to go, but they're not going to listen. In fact, they're going to go on not listening and responding. And they're going to be like a tree cut down, and they're just going to be a stump. But Isaiah, out of that stump is going to come a sprout. I'll have my remnant, and the Messiah will come out of that. But Isaiah, prince of the prophets, they're not going to listen. Jonah's group listened. And he's angry not over his failure, but over his success that the people listen to the message and they turn to God. He's an interesting character to say the least. Mm-hmm. Any questions, any comments? My only thought was he quickly forgot what it was like living inside a fish. Yeah, he sure did. He forgot it just like that. Yep. Are we not guilty the same? Oh anything? yeah. Oh yeah. Boy, when he needed God, he cried out in mercy and God delivered him and it wasn't long before he went right back to his old ways. Well, in addition to those three things I closed with tonight asking you to do, go home tonight and in one city, one more time, read through the book of John in one city. Do that one more time, would you?